glass, ice, pour. Hello, friends, and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown, and joining me on the show today is Soma Miller. Soma, thanks so much for being on the show with me today. Thanks for having me. Really, really excited to get into this conversation and learn a little bit more about what you're about and your podcast, and hopefully share some value with your audience yeah definitely i uh i think it's really cool how you and i connected uh i found your social media page uh through instagram thank you to the algorithm not quite sure how we found it (laughs) to be honest with you i don't know if it was through hashtags or whatever but found your uh account and uh, the essential man is the account that i found and uh, i'll make sure to put links to that in the show notes but i really connected to a lot of your material uh you were posting stuff that was super encouraging and uh, stuff that I really thought was uh, creative, but also in, uh, encouraging and inspiring. So I thought, man, I would really love to have a chat with you about how you know this uh, this project came about, but then also to get to know your background a little bit more. So, um, so yeah, what what's uh, what's your background? How did you feel compelled to start this, and what what led you to to kind of jump into this uh, this phase of your coaching career? Yeah, so. My background with with this type of work started in my early 20s, actually. Uh, I was about 24, and feeling pretty lost at that point in my life. Like, I had a sense of what I wanted, but I had no idea how to create it, and I was kind of just disenchanted with the world as it was. And coming out of a, a really difficult relationship, breakup, that was just one of my first serious relationships and experiencing just a lot of pain from that, a lot of confusion about how it went down, what happened, like <laughs> the rejection and, and all of that. And and I, I got to a point of like really wanting some help and direction. And I... I was already pretty spiritually oriented on a certain level, and so I gravitated towards things that were of that nature, including you know yoga and you know, just like natural healing methodologies, Native American uh, ceremonial type of work, and um, and I and I actually went and saw some talk about. Um, this this initiation process that mm, mm-hmm. a, gen- a gentleman went through. Uh, it was actually uh, through the Mankind Project, which is a pretty well known. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I know them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and I was really inspired by it um, because I, I I felt like a boy, you know, a boy that had kind of grown into a man's body, and I. You know, I wanted something like that. I wanted uh, mentoring. I wanted mm-hmm. to feel like I knew what it meant to be a man. And and so, you know, through a series of coincidences, I I found myself, I, I was just traveling at the time, and I found myself in a small town in Southern California called Ojai. Oh, yeah, um, Ojai. Very spiritual place. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just by the grace of 
the universe, I saw on a bulletin board uh, a flyer for you know this, this another talk by a group of men that had gone through the initiation. And previous to that, I'd actually set a really powerful intention, like I, I want this to happen. Like mm. I'm ready to be initiated. And, you know, this isn't like a week or something like that that appeared in front of me, and and so I got involved in this this men's group. And and we went through a, about a twelve month process of of certain rituals of rites of passage experiences. You know, there's a group of about ten guys that went through it together. And, Man, that sounds amazing. And that yeah, and that that was my first taste of working with men and, and it was huge because I not only learned to trust men and kinda of open my heart to those kinds of relationships that I didn't even realize I was longing for. Yeah. Um, but it also helped me to like uh, tap into my emotional body and process grief and a lot of childhood pain that was suppressed on a certain level. And yeah, so that was that was my first in- introduction to working with men. And I, you know, I kept connected with that, that group of men for 13 years. Wow. That a couple times a month. And um, yeah. So, yeah. And then, sin- yeah, go ahead. No, I was so, going to say that. Just, yeah, I was going to say that just sounds so, it's, it's so interesting to hear you say this because not only does this sound parallel to my story, this sounds parallel to countless men that I've talked to before. And I love that you were talking about this initiation because a lot of the early thoughts that I had about this podcast and about masculinity and, and, and even thinking about my own masculinity and my own like manhood is asking myself that question, when did I become a man? And I really couldn't answer that question. And most of the men that I talked with, they couldn't answer that question either. Um, or if they did, they would answer it with some sort of traumatic experience, whether it was the loss of a family member, divorce, uh, traumatic sexual experience, uh, sexual assault maybe in certain uh, instances. So a lot of the introduction into manhood was tied in with trauma. And I think there's yeah. there's got to be some I, I don't do enough research on like the brain or, you know, men's brains and how they but I have to believe that when you enter in this very pivotal time uh, of your life in a, in, in a, in a, a season of trauma, that that's going to be something you carry with you until you figure out that you entered in manhood in the season of trauma. I don't know if that resonates with you at all uh, or if you kind of yeah. felt that way. It It makes a lot of sense. And I think because we're not in a sort of cohesive culture anymore mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. in general, probably most of the world, um, you know, in traditional cultures, they, they would actually create an experience that was usually very trying and difficult and yes. painful yes. to kind of wake a man up to the, the depths of life, right? Mm-hmm. To, to see, almost like the true nature underneath just the material reality that we live in. And, and I think, yeah, trauma, difficulty are those things that kind of can crack a man open. And Mm -hmm. since we don't have that life, life will sort of naturally initiate us 
um, in a way, but it sometimes it's difficult to really make meaning out of those difficulties if we don't oh, have yeah. the right culture of support, you know, mentoring or something. Yeah, um, other men. Can, yeah. Kind of, yeah, 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 men for sure. And yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'd love to hear if you wouldn't mind sharing about your your journey. You said it. Oh yeah. Kind of yeah. Share a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so I wasn't quite as old. Or I was older than you actually. You said you were 24 when you reached this p- point in your life. I was in my thirties. Uh, I, I had, uh, or I was just about to turn 30 and I was in a relationship that had ended, um, that I thought, you know, I thought maybe this was the, the person that, you know, I might go the distance with and it ended kind of sh- shockingly. Um, and now that I think about it, it wasn't shocking, but it seemed shocking at the time how it ended. Um, and I, I sort of took a moment to evaluate what was going on in my life because this was yet another person that I was in a relationship with that I thought I could see myself with long term that was ending. And I started to think that maybe there was something wrong, something going on within myself, that maybe I was projecting something onto my partners that I was unaware of. And so I I went into a season where I didn't date people. I didn't date anyone. Um, I'm I'm a straight cisgendered male, so I I date women. So I was not dating any women at the time, and I was just focusing on myself. I was reading. I was going to school, um, and I was trying mm-hmm. to learn, you know, about who I was. And then um, I did I did some good work. I, I got a little bit closer to who I was, but uh, still didn't quite find myself. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I, I got married, actually, and started to do some work with my wife uh, that I learned about, you know, blind spots. And really the thing that I had to confront was um, my anger and frustration from unrealistic expectations of me just thinking my life would look a certain way, that I would just be at a certain point at this time, I would have a certain amount of success at this time. Um, At this point in my life, I had moved from Michigan to New York and was now living in LA, didn't really have a solid job, didn't really have much of a career path, and just didn't feel like a man. And so that's what led me to think about, well, okay, when did I become a man? And I didn't really know. I couldn't really answer that question. Um, And during this time, I had uh, just started driving for Lyft. And um, having gone from, you know, kind of growing up in a small town where I didn't really talk with a lot of people to moving to L.A. where there's a lot of people. But being in bands, I kind of sheltered myself. I didn't really talk with like what I would consider the general public. I was talking with other musicians and people in the industry and people who wanted stuff mm-hmm. from me, you know, so I didn't really get a very, you know, LA still seemed very superficial. But then I started driving for Lyft and for Uber and I start having these really deep thought provoking, intense conversations with strangers that I've never met and will probably never meet again. And a lot of them were men. And I was really surprised with the vulnerability that men were willing to uh, share with me after we got deeper into some of these struggles about, you know, dating in Los Angeles, finding a partner, um, you know, all of these these different things, you know, navigating the the various dating, you know, apps and all of these things. I was having these incredible conversations with these men. And I started to think about what you were thinking about rites of passage. So and I started to ask men, you know, when did you become a man? And I, I never got a straight answer. 
uh, I never, most men were, mm-hmm. oh, when I had sex for the first time or most of the time I would get, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really good question. And they would think about it for a little while. And some would usually give me some sort of answer, like I said, around a sexual experience or around trauma or around divorce. Um, and then they would just kind of say like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. And then they would kind of be like, huh. So anyway, and they would just like breeze past the conversation. And so, um, when I was listening to you talk, I was picking out a lot of the, uh, the similarities to what, um, the original thoughts of whiskey and rye are. And that's, you know, what is this process of becoming a man in America? We don't really have one. Um, it's, it's kind of, you're like you said, you usually have culture and society who tells you when you're a man, or you have a family member who tells you when you're a man, but we don't really have uh, a traditional like rite of passage. And, um, so I think, you know, it's really interesting. I have a background in psychology. I wish that I would have um, gone and done something more with like sociology or anthropology because I'm really interested in rites of passage. I'm really interested in um, in why in the West we have protected our men from going through this rite of passage, but we expect men to still be a similar type of man. And, and I'm really interested in how culture has shaped men. I, you know, I started to think about this idea of the Marlboro man. And so all of these ideas about men and masculinity started to percolate in my mind. I love podcasting. Yeah. I love talking. So it was just natural for me to bring this conversation to a podcast. So, um, I have put out, uh, 13 or 14 episodes now. And, um, yeah. It started to take shape now um, as I'm moving towards the end of season one. Uh, the the podcast really, um, you know, most of the listeners will know it came out of the gate white hot. I was like looking to dismantle toxic masculinity like yesterday, you know, um, and I was I was white hot with it. And um, the conversation um, was very helpful, but it wasn't very palatable. You know, I'll be honest. And so Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to um, create a palatable conversation for men about how they can do things better. And one of the things that I like about your um, about your profile and about the content you post is you post palatable content for men, um, but it's also not sugarcoated either. You know, it's not something that um, makes you feel like, you know, okay, you know, here's a good idea for you as a man, but if you can't do it or you don't want to do it, like you're still a man too. You know, I, I, when I read your content, I, I see things that are just like more challenging you to to really evaluate what masculinity and being a man is for you individually. Um, and then, um, and then thinking about what that means then for the greater community. So, um, yeah, so that kind of how, you know, everything that I've been doing ties in with, with what I was interested in your page, because I'm interested in creating content for men that, uh, will, will help them see blind spots, kind of like I needed help seeing, um, but also as a way of encouraging other men, because I think this conversation, um, this conversation that you and I are creating is so much more valuable when it comes from another man. When I see something on your um, Instagram, your last post, you know, when it says, feel her, and I see that from you, and then I read the words talking about how, you know, you you had some really great things about how, you know, if you are dealing with a woman who's going through trauma and feeling different things, and just the stuff that you were talking about was so masculine, but it was also um, wrapped up nicely in, in a... Uh, 
a feminine, uh, like a like a feminine blanket, we'll call it, because I think you know masculinity, <laughs> masculinity, being able to hold femininity is one of the strongest qualities of masculinity, in my opinion. So being able to hold that side um, with grace for you know these other people who we're partnering with, I think is so beautiful. So. So things like that uh, really inspire me to uh, to keep moving this conversation forward and to make it to to continue to make it palatable so men actually find value in this and don't just find like more shame, right? More shame and more guilt because I think yeah that that yeah. really shame and guilt really derail the work that you and I do for sure. And and sometimes it's it's a real fine line to walk, right? Yeah, um, because. Yeah. Because I know so many men, including myself, carry shame. Oh, shame yeah. for just being a man, shame mm-hmm. for past behaviors, all kinds of stuff. You know, we all have like, most of us have grown up in imperfect environments. And so we're, in a way, just acting out mm-hmm. from those experiences unconsciously. Yeah. And, and to me, the, the greatest work that we can do as men is is lovingly bring consciousness to the unconscious parts of ourselves. Yeah. Because it's all, you know, all those parts of ourselves are valid and important. And what I see a lot of men do, especially around shame, is to kind of try to stuff it in the closet or hide it away. And uh, that actually causes more problems. Um, I mean, you oh, are, yeah. you're, you've got a psychology background, so I'm sure you, you get that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the, the idea of like the shadow, you know, when you're in psychology with that, mm-hmm. um, how, how we have these aspects of ourselves that we might try to hide or repress or deny, you know, that don't want the world to see. And, and some of the most transformational work that I've done as a man is allowing myself to be witnessed in those places that I really don't want to be witnessed yeah, in, yeah. Um, in, with groups of men, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that men can offer each other that, that we might not be able to get from women and that might not mm-hmm. uh, feel safe for women to hold mm-hmm. that space for us because they've got so much of this trauma, like I spoke about in that post, around, you know, unconscious men hurting them in different yeah. ways, right? Right. And, and at the same time, like as men, we have these aspects of ourselves that, you know, either we've inherited or, you know, are just sort of like, you know, primal human DNA that that need an expression or an outlet, you know? Yeah. And, and if we don't find a healthy expression or outlet, it becomes destructive. Yeah. And, and we see that in the world, you know, the mm-hmm. way that um, the whole political system is set up. And yeah. I think that's really a result of a lack of consciousness in men, like recognizing themselves and then being able to see what's really important for the collective, you know, yeah. beyond just what's for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And when you see the tragedies happen around the country and you get to learn about the individuals, the young men, many of them are described as isolated loners. Um, 
not able to express their angers and frustrations uh, in a healthy manner and and therefore you know mm-hmm. tragedy tragedy happens and it's just so sad um when when that is the the culmination of you know unhealthy masculinity is when it comes in in tragedy and terrorism like that it's um it's really sad. Um, so I'm really interested, though, in some of the initiations that the group went to. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what were some of the um, what were some of the things that they guided you through when you when you all were going through this 12 month um, kind of transformation when you were doing some of these initiation things? What were some of those uh, practices? What they look like? Well, um, I could share a little bit, um, yeah. I, in, in, com- you know, with this is a certain confidentiality around the sure. experience. Yeah. That, yeah. Sure. I meant more that, so it's like um, the framework. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to tell me like your yeah. deep revelation, but just more so like the framework of some of the things that they were encouraging you to think about even. Yeah. So, um, one, one piece, which we, which we touched on earlier is, you know, this idea that sometimes what wakes a man up or helps him to, you know, step into his quote unquote manhood, right, is some kind of challenge or difficulty mm-hmm. in his life. And, and and this kind of ties back into um jo- you know, Joseph Campbell's idea of like a hero's journey. Like we, yeah. uh, part of part of the hardest work we need to do as men is to be willing to go into that pain and explore it and kind of unpack it. Mm-hmm. And one one thing that came out of this initiation and I actually wrote a blog article a while back about this, which is this idea that our, our greatest gifts uh, are actually within our wounds. And so mm-hmm. um, in order to access our, you know, our gifts, you call it a gift or a purpose, right? Like what we're yeah. here to do. We need to be willing to explore where, where we were hurt the most and, and kind of reveal it. And um, this is something that's actually uh, an ongoing process. Like, yeah. in a way, like the... You know, our wounds may never fully heal, you mm-hmm. know, or they might get reactivated at different times in our lives, and and we have to kind of be willing to go in and, and do the doctoring work and and get in there and get into the nitty gritty of these activations in order to to draw out the medicine from them, and and once we can do that, it it becomes like. Um, it becomes magnetic in a way. Like mm, it's it's mm-hmm. part of us that that gets integrated, and, and we're able to bring that through our presence into the world. And, and it may look like a specific mission or purpose, but it might just be an embodiment of a certain quality that transmits through having gone through that depth and that sort of wrestling match with. Um, are difficulties and and there's a there's a kind of a revelation that happens when we are willing to get uncomfortable you know are yeah. willing to um hang out in these zones that just 
stretch us and test us and push us to our edges. And, and that's yeah. a huge piece of what traditional initiations are about and you know, some of the, the ritual that occurred in this particular initiation that I went through. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and some of those were this particular group. I mean, there's, there's different ways to create this, but this particular group was had its uh, roots in um, actually traditional African initiation. That's the lineage that it oh, came wow. through. Um, and yeah, so there was there was a lot of connecting with the elements of nature that were interwoven mm. into it. Um, and yeah, so through that, there was an experience of feeling our relatedness to everything. Yeah. You know, and everything that supports our lives. Yeah. So that was huge. Oh, um, man, yeah. And, and an experience of, like, uh, being a part of something larger than us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's one of... One of the greatest wounds of our culture is is of absence of feeling like we belong mm-hmm. to something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we're our our genetics have given us an experience for millennia of being a, a part of you know a tight knit community, a tribe, right? And it's something that. Modern people like maybe try to create, but it's it's not really here. And so there's there's like an epidemic of loneliness, and you know a huge part of um, finding that gift is is having having a place to give it to, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and and so we 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 need community. You know, we need people that not only can receive the gifts that we have to offer, but can can yeah. help to draw them out of us yeah. in a way. And, and so that was that was a piece of this too. You know, it was like really being seen in my gift, in my medicine for who I was. And that was that was incredibly human. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when men become disconnected from ourselves, like Man, I think a lot of a lot of cognitive, uh, you know, th- things start to start to freak out. You know, we have a lot of emergencies that go through, and um, I appreciate you sharing, you know, about what you what you had gone through. And um, for me personally, a lot uh, some of the work that I went through that was really helpful was, and we talked about a little bit was kind of that shadow work um, in connecting with your the areas of yourself that you don't really um, want to connect with. And I remember there were two exercises that I did with my therapist that were, um, very traumatic, uh, at first, but it seemed to really uncover a lot of good in the end. And that first one, first exercise, uh, that really was one of the hardest things he had me do. And he had me, it sounds so simple. He had me look in a mirror and just look at myself and not look away. Just look at myself, look at all of my qualities, look at all of everything on my face, you know, all of my, you know, perfections, imperfections, whatnot, and just look at myself for like a minute. And I was like, oh, this is so hard. Like it was the longest minute, you know, but at the end of that minute, I went from seeing myself with 
you know, shame and guilt and unworthiness to actually seeing myself with compassion and love and kind of like how I see other people. And it was one of the first times that I had stopped and consciously looked at myself and actually appreciated just being alive and just being me. Um, I'd, I had been working so much on my music career and on building things and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a creative type person and I'm kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm, you know, popping up ideas a lot. And, and, and when these ideas don't, um, take off as much as I like, or they don't, you know, end up being kind of like the thing for me, I tend to get disheartened. And a lot of that, a lot of that weight of being, you know, a, a positive public figure was starting to weigh on me. And I just, I lost who I was a little bit. Uh, so doing that mirror exercise was really helpful. And then the other thing that we did was I would do work with connecting with my inner child. Um, so I came from a, a divorced home. My parents got divorced when I was nine. So a lot of what I experienced in terms of like negative, ma- negative association with masculinity, hurts and traumas started when I was young and was kind of given this narrative of being a man, even though I was still encouraged to be a kid, like you know, growing up in the nineties, uh, in a, you know, divorced home, I also was very religious. So I went to church a lot. I just had so many narratives that were being thrown at me. Um, but the consistent one was you got to get it right. You know, you're the man, you got to get it right. You got to know what you got to do. I never had, I never felt free to make mistakes. And so consequently I spent the next 10, 15 years of my life making nothing but mistakes you know, and it wasn't until I became further disassociated with myself that I needed that I realized I needed to travel that road back home, you know, uh, and, and that was a that was a long road. You know, it was a really it was a long road back home. But, you know, I think it would have been helpful for me uh, if I would have had something like your 90 day program, your 90 day mastering reset um, to kind of help get me reoriented. So um, that's really one of the uh, one of the big things I want to touch on during our time today is you uh, are launching or have launched. We're in October now. So you're underway with this 90 day uh, program that you've created. And uh, I would love for you to share a little bit about that and how that how that came about yeah so this this um program is it, something a process that i put myself through a handful of times and and have supported other men in going through this kind of process and and a big part of it came you know this this was sort of i, I went through this like at a different time in my life, and this was a different kind of initiation that also came mm. out of a painful breakup. This one, even more traumatic and painful than the first that led me to Mandela. This was uh, breaking up with uh, the mother of my daughter, mm. and um, and you know, I'd, we had just gotten to these unconscious places in our relationship, and. We, been trying to way forward and it just tore me up and and I you know I felt I felt like I had some serious shit I needed to work through yeah and I didn't know I didn't get it I didn't understand and and I I actually did some work with uh, originally did this process with the Authentic Man Program, which is mm-hmm. like another organization that needs uh, men's work. I don't know if they're still doing it. And they, they actually 
called this the, a no-woman diet. And basically, it was a period of time where you create a structure to eliminate any areas in your life where you are kind of leaking energy. And mm. not only leaking energy, but also you're, where you're still kind of hooked in to needing to be validated by women. Yeah. Whether you're, you know, whether you're in a relationship or, you know, single, uh, for a lot of men in our culture, like we've been trained to, um, not feel good about ourselves unless, you know, we're getting laid or women are attracted to us or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a tremendous amount of unconscious energy that's, that gets lost in seeking out that kind of attention and validation for so many guys. And, um, it could be something as simple as like, uh, just checking out all the attractive women that come into your sphere and, mm-hmm. and the, the subtle ways that we um, try to pull them in, draw them in. Right? Yeah. Um, it could be like, you know, the way that we put a woman on a pedestal and sort of contort ourselves and, live out of integrity with who you really are in order for them to like us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For them to want us or desire us. Yeah. And, and so it's really taking a period of time to really get clear on where that's happening and, and making commitments to cut that kind of stuff out. And, and there's other areas that, are related to that sort of leaking of energy that are part of this process. And and sometimes it it has to do with, you know, our addiction to like social media Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, eating unconsciously or eating sugar or sweets, which are kind of symbolic of feminine energy. Right. Oh, wow. Um, I never thought about that. Yeah. It could be, in addiction to pornography or video games um, or whatever it is that we do to kind of escape the moment and escape being with ourselves. Um, and, and on some level, um, you know, it's called a masculine reset, but part of the work is actually getting back in touch with our own inner feminine. Mm-hmm. We, we all, men and women, both have masculine and feminine qualities That's in right. them. And um, one of the most powerful things we can do with men in order to actually learn how to relate better with women is to get related with our own inner feminine. And um, and that, you know, these are just concepts, right? But that right, inner right. feminine is also our inner child, you know, our boy. Like that's when we're in like a feminine period of our life. And, right. Um, and it's it's our emotions, you know, it's our emotional body, it's uh, feelings and sensations, and a lot of what men live their lives just kind of running away from really experiencing that kind of stuff. And uh, part of my idea of healthy masculinity, or 
you know, the practice of masculinity is about uh, learning how to create containers, create structures to hold our feminine or the feminine and and you know, feminine the feminine is really just energy, right? Yeah. On on you know, on a real fundamental level. It's it's the energy of life, it's the energy of the universe. And creation and, even you could say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and masculinity in a way is is really just the, the space that's holding all of that. Yeah. You know, if you get down down to like a atomic level, right? There's there's like ninety nine point nine percent empty space. Yeah. And, and on like a real archetypal level, like that that's masculine, and the feminine is everything else. And so, you know, if we bring those concepts into our lives, right, in a practical way, one of the deepest masculine practices that we can do is um, become the the space that can hold the energy in our lives and yeah. part of that practice can happen through like a meditation, right? Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're sitting, you're, you're holding a structure and you're allowing your thoughts and your emotions to, to move through you without fixating on them. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how it occurs when we relate to women. Yeah. Part of part of the problem in relationship is um, we, as men, want to like hold on to or grab on to the feminine. You know, the women like there's, there's a certain like um, grabbiness. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that you know often doesn't feel good for them. Like they right. they want to allow they want to have an experience of just being who they are, being expressed and kind of loved and held and adored in that in that space without us needing so much from them. Right. Know? Right. Um, and so it frees them in a way to bring more of those beautiful feminine qualities that they have. And and it it actually creates more of a dynamic polarity or attraction. Yes. Because we're we're able to Hold them, see them, honor them, without trying to jump all over them. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree with you, and everything you're saying is in line with the women that I speak with in my car, who I talk with about this stuff. You know, I love getting to share with women about um, the work that I do because one, they're just they're very encouraging, which I'm so grateful for. But two, they give me so many pearls of wisdom as I am kind of sharing things, and and yeah, a lot of the stories I hear from from women is you know I was. Just talking to this one girl the other day, she got my car. She's very emotional. And I was, you know, I hope you're having a good day. She's like, oh, I'm having a terrible day. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, she's like, she straight up comes out. She's like, I think I'm going to have to dump my boyfriend. And she just laid into all of the reasons that, you know, he was um, acting out and, and how he would just kind of have these emotional outbursts and he was unpredictable. And as she was describing it, I was just like, oh, this poor individual is is really stressed out and is really struggling and doesn't know how to convey that to you. And what he's doing is just being destructive, which is the anti, which is, you know, the anti-creation. So it's kind of like this, 
you know, ultimate destructive form of this ultimate form of masculinity when you're being destructive. Um, but really what you're causing is so many rifts. And, and I was also sharing with another gentleman about what I do. And, and he was kind of saying like, well, aren't you kind of like weak if you talk about these things or you talk about things that you're going through? And, and what I hear you saying is the opposite of, of all of this. And that's um, when men are able to confront their uh, their angers and their frustrations and are able to convey that in a way that makes uh, women feel like they can process it, there's actually a deeper connection there. There's not a rift. So men will actually see, will actually be seen as more attractive as opposed to less attractive uh, if they are a little bit more open with their feelings. And I think that's so, it's so fascinating that something that simple becomes so complicated. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's complicated just because we we've gotten so many cultural messages about that's right. What we're allowed to do. What what is and, what does masculinity look like? What does femininity look like? Gender roles and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and the truth is, like, yeah, men have a feminine, and and that feminine actually comes out for a lot of men as as anger, right? Because that's that's sort of what's acceptable mm-hmm. in our culture for mm-hmm. men to express. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though, even though it's not like you know, that usually ends up like that situation you talked about, where it just uh, pushes the people we love away from us. And, mm-hmm. and part of that, it's not like anger, there's anything wrong with anger, but it's it's how we how we hold it, right? Yeah. And if it if it's just flailing around manically, then yeah, yeah just destroying stuff, yeah, for for anyone. And, you know, I just want to bring back the idea of containers. Like, if we can yes. name, you know, just, just the emotional IQ capacity to, to actually name what's occurring for us in the moment. Yeah. Like, I'm feeling really fucking angry right now. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's a lot easier to metabolize than, like, you fucking bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's taking ownership of what's occurring. And, and yeah, if a man can actually hold even his grief and his broken heart with, with some structure, mm-hmm. like that's actually a beautiful thing. And, and women actually want that. Yeah, they, they really do. Um, I would love to know like what, when, when men find you at the beginning of this 90 day, what are some of the things that they tell you that they want to, that they want to have achieved at the end of the 90 days? What are some goals that they want to work towards? Um, I think number one, um, a lot like a deep desire of men in the masculine is an experience of freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and that that freedom can occur in different ways. But if we're um, in a way tied to these dependencies in our life, we're we're totally not free, and right. and so. Um, and with with that freedom, like a lot comes from that. That a lot of men want also, which is uh, an experience of confidence. And mm-hmm. confidence is is really a byproduct of, um, in in my experience, uh, challenging ourselves and, and going into some of these difficult places and and kind of coming out the other side. And yeah. Um, a lot of men seek 
outer achievement in our life, and that's sort of another way that we're conditioned is to like um, base our value on like how much money we make, yes, um, who we're sleeping with, how beautiful mm-hmm. our life is, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, that real confidence, the, the deeper integrated confidence comes from more like an inward uh, accomplishment. Yeah. And it's a lot of what we've spoken of. It's facing our shadow. It's um, testing ourselves and expanding our capacity by taking on difficult things. And, and it's not always like an inner process and there's definitely like outward um, expressions of that, that that helps those parts of us to evolve. But yeah, I think another thing that men are often thinking is um, a sense of uh, self-acceptance. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that you know many many men carry this "I'm not enough" story around with them. Oh yeah. And part part of it is because again that sort of outward seeking experience of validation rather than doing the work we need to do to um, get in touch with those parts of ourselves, like whether it's looking into a mirror, right, and, and really seeing ourselves for who we truly are, mm-hmm. rather than you know just the surface level, um, and that's that's huge, and and we need to. We need to be able to see ourselves in that way in order to to come to a place of deep self acceptance and self love. Yeah. And um, but we have to sometimes uh, get underneath all the stories to get there. Oh yeah, absolutely. If for me, what that looked like, and I don't know if this resonates with you at all, but I built a lot of narratives on who I thought I was, who I wanted to be. So I I built up a big persona of, of who I thought, you know, Ryan was. Um, and now Mm -hmm. that I'm in my, I just turned 36, uh, two weeks ago, I now am realizing very clearly who Ryan is and who Ryan is not. And so when I tried new things or when I evaluate things that I've been trying before, I, I sort of get a feeling of this a hundred percent feels like me and this doesn't feel like me at all. And so I've had to make some difficult decisions. You know, one of the hardest things for me in my season of life right now is I have a young son, I have a one year old, um, and I'm, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to sort of be, a a positive male influencer, um, and kind of have a a career where I'm helping with helping men and other dads, but I also have bills. You know, I live in LA. My my wife and I live in LA. Uh, it's very expensive here. Uh, I have a master's degree. I have student loans. And so we have all these things. So it's really, it's, it's hard for me, uh, to balance all of these things that I want to be versus who I, who I am. And I, I think for me, a lot of the anger and frustration I've had to, um, process has been just accepting who I am and accepting that right now in my life, I am the father of a one-year-old, you know? And mm-hmm. so that means certain things for, for my career and, and that's okay. Uh, and, and right now I've just learned to embrace that, um, you know, this is, this is my masculinity right now being the, being the 
best partner I can be for my wife and being the best dad that I can be. And then just doing some of these hobbies and creative projects on the side as a way to kind of fill myself up and to make me feel like I'm staying connected to myself. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think men are given a persona uh, or we build one up of ourselves or we adapt one like the Marlboro man. Um, I, uh, I have aspirations to write and be a blogger, but I just, podcasting takes up all my time, but I come up with ideas and things that I want to write about. And I would love to write a piece. Maybe we can work on it together about how the Marlboro man, that persona is just gone. And it's not really been rebuilt yet. You know, Gillette kind of put some stuff out there and whatever. But this whole idea of healthy masculinity is not, in my opinion, not making its way uh, or, or gaining traction other than just like a conversation in mainstream media. So I'm really interested as to, you know, who's going to kind of come out and be a leader and a champion in this conversation. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think that's yet to be determined. But I think the leaders and those who will champion this conversation will be the ones that help men uh, sort of break free from this ideal man persona and just reconnect with who, who they are, whether that's Ryan or whether that's Soma or whether that's Jeff or wh- whoever that is. Um, I think finding out who who you are and, and as you said, being open to reevaluate because I also think that um, life is very cyclical and we go through seasons and, you know, I have a faith background. So uh, the narrative of sort of a death and resurrection is very comfortable to me. And I feel like the the self of the man is something that resurrects and dies continually as we continue as we continually evolve and as we continue to grow and I think that's just part of the beauty but also the the challenge of being a man and being a healthy man and that's learning how to evolve with yourself and and kind of just go along with the process. I don't know if that resonates with you at all as you are someone who is a process person. Um, but I just think a process, a process repeating itself, you know, maybe doing something more than once, you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, for me, it's, I'm on a never ending journey of growth and and death all the time. You know, my ego needs to, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bullshit out there, in mm-hmm. my opinion, around mm-hmm. like, especially when you get into this realm that I'm in, like coaching and transformation, and yeah. you know, you'll you'll people will sell you this idea that if you just do this one journey and you'll have this huge breakthrough and then like it's all good for the rest of your life. That's not true. You know, right. like it's, it's, uh, life is the journey mm-hmm. and, um, to, to be, uh, my, my intention and what I try to teach is to, um, create the kind of condition in one's life so that you can really meet that journey mm-hmm. to the fullest capacity and, and being willing to stay in that stretch. Yeah of growth because it's it's not it's not about ultimately getting to this place where then we can finally feel comfortable or be fully relaxed to me uh, the deep masculine is about continuously growing our capacity 
to be with adversity. And that's mm-hmm. where powerful, powerful leadership comes from that place. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not easy, you know, it's not supposed to be easy. And, yeah. and I think we've been sold this myth that it is. And I haven't found that to be true ever. And, but as I've grown, I guess, and as I've matured, it's being willing to hang out in those places. And, and there's a lot of beauty and energy and potential in those places. Yeah, I agree. I also think, you know, we've talked about doing things in community. And I also think that when you do things in a community of men, uh, that's really helpful. And I'm experiencing this interesting phenomenon in my mid thirties, moved around from Michigan to New York, now living in California. Um, I've been experiencing this weird phenomenon of trying to make friends in my thirties with other men. And it is so weird. It's (laughs) such a, it's such a weird process because I don't know, like by this time in my, in, in our lives, like most men have established their identity to where it's like when you're making friends and you're like five or six, it's like, I like to do this. And you're like, cool. I like to do that too. And you're like, even if you don't like to do that, it's like, whatever, you know, but when you get in your thirties, you're like, Oh, I'm really into this. You're like, Oh, that's cool. I don't really like that. I guess we can't be friends. You know? Um, and then just trying to break through, like, even when you do find people that you connect with, like, I find myself sometimes, I'll admit this, I spend so much time wondering what to text my guy friends to hang out or just like text them uh-huh. like, like, hey, I'm thinking about you today and I hope you're having a good day, you know? And and there's countless times that I just never reach out to my friends because I'm afraid I'm going to sound like a weirdo or I'm just not going to sound like a cool guy. Um, but I'm, I'm scared to be that vulnerable with guys in a community and it's really caused me a lot of uh, loneliness and isolation. So, you know, I wonder if that resonates all for, for you and if maybe any of the men have shared, you know, similar frustrations with connecting with other men and actually building a community later in your life, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge reason why I do what I do. I mean, yeah. I, I, a part, of, part of my purpose is really about creating community and creating a culture where men in particular, I mean, all people eventually, but my focus right now is on men, can come together for for a deeper purpose, for, for more depth, for more intimacy, for more um, realness and honesty. And um, it, it's not easy, and you're not alone in that, I think. Yeah. Men in particular, for whatever reason, past grade school, struggle to build relationships with other men. And I don't completely understand why, yeah. but um, I think that it, it helps. It helps to have a context. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why I create. Mm-hmm. That's why I create men's groups mm-hmm. because it, men men like to come together for a shared purpose. It's sort of a right. little bit more how we're wired. Mm-hmm. But whether it's like, can you help me work on my car or build my yeah. house? Like results you know, driven stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just natural. And and so even like, if the intention is to get together and you know meditate or or work on our relationship stuff or support each other to be accountable to, you know, our businesses and our goals in that way. 
that's those are different ways you can create depth. Right. And um, but it, yeah, if you don't have that context, it does require even more vulnerability to generate the kinds of experiences we want to have. And, yeah. But I think that's a great way to measure. You know, taking those risks is a great way to measure if the men that you're connected with are the men that you want to be connected mm. with by yeah. like saying, hey, bro, I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you that I fucking love you. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And if, and if that makes him uncomfortable, then, you know, maybe he's not the best person for you if that's the kind of way you want to be able to connect with the men in your life. And yeah. I, but I guarantee there's a lot of men that would love that. You know, that would love to have a man, a man call him up and just say, hey, man, I was just thinking about you. Hope you're having a good day. Just want you to know I appreciate you for this. Yeah. Um, like, imagine that. I know, right? Imagine the world we lived in if that was natural. <laughs> you know what I mean? For for men to encourage each other like that. Wow. That sounds great to yeah. me. <laughs> and, it, and it can be. And I think it can it's be. up to people like you and I to, to lead that kind of culture. Yeah. I think it really, we need it. Men need support. Like men isolate themselves. You know, they they don't share what's going on. And, and that's what has us get bottled up and drop all our shit all over our our partners. Right. Yeah. um, So we, we need somebody we can call up when we're having a hard time and just say, Hey man, like I'm really, struggling i don't know what what to do about this like can you just listen to me for five minutes or you know what what are your insights like what what am i not seeing here like yeah the most powerful work i've done of recent because i'm i continue to to get my own support from groups of men and i work with a teacher right now and, and a lot of the work that we do together is to be able to give each other feedback oh yeah around how how we're showing up, how they're experiencing us, what they're seeing in us that we might be unaware of. And and it's that kind of honest feedback that can really up level our awareness and our consciousness really rapidly. Yeah. And and help us to grow in, in all areas. Yeah. I think that's and, a key point. Yeah, I think I think we need we need that kind of honest feedback as men. Like the the, oh, the yeah. whole like culture of niceness and yes, yes, you know, just people pleasing. Yes, it it doesn't doesn't really serve us, and and so it takes a little while to build that level of trust with yeah. other men where we can just say it like it is. But it's it's really an invaluable resource. Uh, I hope men cultivate. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think what you said about having, you know, things told to you by other men, you know, early on in our relationship, my wife and I would have conversations and she would tell me things and I just was not able to hear it. Uh, So I, or not able to hear it from her. I heard what she was saying, but it just wasn't, I was not willing to, I don't know, I wasn't willing to engage. And and then I realized I needed to hear this from someone else. And so I went to a therapist and a lot of the work that I did with my therapist was just 
um, integrating the narratives that, you know, the things that my wife was asking me to do was just integrating those things, but I needed to hear it from, from another man. And, uh, and then in here encouraged to get me in community with other men. And so part of what I, part of what I do, part of my passion is just connecting with other men who stay at home. So I'm in the process right now of just finding other men who stay at home with their kid, like I do, uh, and just getting together. You know, getting together once a week, once a month um, to just like talk about what it's like to be stay at home dads in L.A. You know, it could even be that simple, you know, because that's really what we are. Uh, We're we're work from home dads who live in L.A. and we're pursuing projects, but we're also raising kids and and being, you know, in charge of things at the home. And so, you know, that right there is a community that I think would give life to a lot of people. And and so, um, yeah, I think. You know, if we can get into a season where we can champion healthy groups of men, um, you know, the kind of the anti fraternities, if you will, but more of the um, the the growing of the the mind, because you know, we we have gotten away from uh, the the sort of where it was cool to be uh, like a thinker and a, like a, a, a like a philosopher. You know, like men used to sit around and think about things and talk about stuff, and those were like the cool men. You know what I mean? Now the cool men are the ones mm-hmm. who have, like you said, the most Instagram followers or the hottest wife or fastest cars or whatever, whatever. You know, those are the men that we look at to whereas, you know, you and I are, uh, I think, of, of, a, of a classic group of men that are um, kind of just doing things in, in our own way. But I, I was wondering, you know, you've got your 90-day challenge and you've got some work that you're doing on the side. Are you... Um, are you thinking about more resources? Do you, you know, have you thought about writing a book? Um, you know, have you, have you thought about, you know, what else you're gonna, you know, maybe what the next level of your essential man platform might be? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, my, my girlfriend is, is actually encouraging me to write a book, which I, I would love to do. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got a I, great thought process and, you know, even just transcribing our podcast would be a great, would be a great, like, you know, book pitch. Yeah, um, yeah I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've never really considered it in a major way. And I'm, I'm really in this building phase of my life right now. And I mean, I got a book is the kind of thing that takes time. Yeah just to create and yeah. then we'll see if we can even make money off of it. So so that's something maybe a couple of year, years down the line I need to get a little bit more established with steady income yeah. doing the work that I do right now. Um, but I am part of what I'm hoping will create that solidity in this work is I, I am in the process of building like a membership platform like cool. an online membership platform for men where we can uh you know actually i have teachers and mentors that i've worked with other men that i'm connected to that are you know, masters in their field of study related to men's personal growth and development and so i want to invite some of them to come in and teach like a master class on oh yeah a specific specific area of study and um, and within that, the fabric of of a culture, you know, it's online right now, but it's right, like it's right. sort of the the virtual version of the world that I want to create, which is a culture of mentorship, a culture of men supporting men to to grow, to heal, to succeed in, in 
positive ways that create a, a big impact to the entire world. And, and I think we need each other to do that. And yeah. you know, I want to, you know, I want to make it accessible to a large demographic of people, you know, because it's not everybody can sign up for like a one-on-one coaching relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I want to keep it affordable and, and also create a way for uh, men to connect via their location within the platform so that you know, other men's groups can form. And, and they could be around specific topics like you're talking about where, you know, single, uh, not single, but like work from home, dad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's, it's kind of a big undertaking, but that, that would be one step towards that. And, you know, I have some programs coming up in early next year that are kind of longer term group coaching intensives with some in person retreats as well. Oh, that'd be great. And, uh, yeah. 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 When you, when you can get in person face to face, you know, um, it's really great. And those, sometimes those weekend retreats, um, are so life giving. And I, I have a similar vision for whiskey and rye. Um, it's just so cool to hear you talk about it because, you know, I feel like there's so many parallels in our lives. You know, I'm building this platform with, uh, for men, but it's, it's not, you know, it's kind of alongside my real life, you know, it's something, but it's just something that I'm so passionate about. And I hear that passion for you too, uh, from you too. And so I think it's so awesome that you uh, are doing this, you know, in your, in those free moments, in your spare time, but then you're also carving out time because it's important to you. Um, cause that's exactly what I do for this podcast. You know, I do, promotions and stuff interview you know reaching out to guests i think I, I honestly i think i sent you an email when i was like warming up the bottle for my kid honestly you know what i mean like just in little moments where i have a few moments it was like oh i gotta do this real quick you know um but because i'm so yeah. passionate yeah. about it it's it's just it i make i make time for it i make it a priority and it sounds like you do that too and i just think that's really awesome it's really cool yeah, I, I think it's it's so important, and and it's not easy to, um, for a lot of guys, if if they want to create something like a, a more meaningful path yeah. for themselves, you know, if they're in a corporate job or whatever it is that they're doing, it, um, but it it's really essential in order for us to to kind of be nourished, you know. It, yeah. It, Having a sense of direction and purpose that's meaningful for us is such a driving force that can can feed every area of our lives. You know, and if we don't have that, I think as men we get depressed and and we can just feel shitty about ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate all that you were able to share. And, you know, I think for two guys who have never talked to each other before, we were actually hold, be able to hold a pretty good conversation. You know, it was pretty good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy what you were sharing. And I just, as kind of like my last question, I like to try to just leave men with encouragement and uh, with like a final word of something to kind of make them feel like empowered. So, do you, do you have any, you know, pearls of wisdom that you that are go that you go to that you tell yourself? Any mantras that you give to yourself every day that you encouraging? Anything that you would just like to share for the men and folks who are listening who just could use some encouragement? 
Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the essential man that the name for my business is, is really about getting back to like the essence of who we are, like mm-hmm. our true identity. And, um, when we, when we really drill down underneath all of the, the noise and the stories of who we think we should be or who the world wants us to be, um, there is, there's a real purity to that expression of us. And um, I don't have any specific, like, quotes or pearls of wisdom, but I, I would encourage men to, to take some time to, to just sit and be still and find, find a way to access that part of themselves. Because that's really where it all comes from. It's sometimes one of the hardest things we can do, mm-hmm. but the most most valuable thing that we can do. Yeah. Well, I resonate with that, and I appreciate that so much. I had such an awesome time talking to you. The Essential Man is the uh, account uh, for now, um, and uh, we'll see what happens for that. But then also in the uh, bio for that account is the link to the 90-day uh, masculinity reset, which I know it started in October. Um, can folks still join now? Should they wait till the next one? What would be the best thing? Yeah, I think I'm gonna um, relaunch again in in January. January, so, okay. Um, yeah. Great, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So I'll have links yeah. to all that, and um, you know, I really encourage uh, folks, if you men, if you're looking for resources, if you're seeking, um, if you're stuck, uh, this is a great place to, uh, get unstuck and to learn, uh, to learn some great qualities. You can learn how to align yourself and reclaim and empower and build and embody all of these wonderful things. So, um, Soma, thank you so much for your time. I've really had a pleasure, uh, getting to know you and getting to interview you. And thank you for, uh, all you were able to share with the Whiskey and Rye audience. Thank you so much, Ryan. Look forward to connecting with you again. All right, friends. Well, there you have it. Huge thank you again to my guest, Soma Miller of The Essential Man. Make sure you are checking out the work that he's doing. I will have links to his uh, Instagram in the show notes, and I will also have a link to his 90-day Master Masculinity Reset, uh, his program that he has created that will be starting up again in January. I will have links to that in the show notes, so make sure to check that out. And uh, I really appreciate Soma for uh, jumping into this vulnerable space and, and having a conversation with me. It was our first time first time ever having a, a full conversation and I, I really enjoyed getting to talk with him so that was great um I realize I've been a little bit lax with uh putting out episodes regularly this episode's coming out on a Tuesday uh, at noon which is late um but uh, it's been uh, a lot of celebrations happening around our household uh starting off with Reese's birthday and then it was my birthday uh, and then uh, my wife's birthday and our anniversary was in there too so a lot of celebrating happening at our household so I appreciate the patience uh 
as I've been spending a lot of time with my family. But uh, to say thank you for the patience, uh, I'm going to be releasing a bonus episode this week. So Thursday, uh, Thursday around the same time, you're going to hear uh, from one of my good friends, Bethany McKinney-Fox. Her and I were able to sit down and have a conversation about partnership and marriage and gender roles in marriage and things like that. And I really enjoyed getting to talk with her. So a uh, bonus episode will be out for you on Thursday. And uh, I, again, just appreciate the patience as uh, as family and life has just been happening. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the Deep West and thank them for uh, providing the music for this podcast. Uh, I am very happy to announce that the Deep West has decided to use the very song for this podcast called Giving Up uh, as their first single. And they just uh, did a music video this weekend. So be on the lookout for uh, the new music video from the Deep West. Uh, I have the links to their show no- uh, Instagram and all that good stuff in the show notes. Um, thank you to those guys. Really love them and uh, I'm excited for their career. Uh, last thing I want to touch on, as always, if you uh, feel like you want to financially contribute to the show, you're able to do so through links provided in the show notes. I'm very grateful for folks' generosity and for those who have contributed already. So thank you very much for that. So uh, there's going to be a few more episodes left in this season that I'm going to take a break for the holidays. So my next guest will be comedian Elliot Morgan. We're going to sit down this week and have a conversation and I cannot wait to release that episode for you to check out. So until then, I raise my glass to you. Cheers.